Yo, what up? Good morning. It's your girl Kilowatt. It's actually like, it's afternoon. Let's be real. I'm fucking tired. <laughs> I'm in such a chatty mood. Like, I'm on, I think I'm on day two of like this hell week that is the house. And so like, like I've mentioned prior that like my mom and I merged households, but it's a different story when you've got a woman who had a full blown art room. Like, and the art room was, like, stacked floor to ceiling with, like, Tupperware containers of art supplies. But, like, it was, it was an organized chaos. It wasn't a terrible chaos. It was, like, functional, you know. But at the same time, like, nobody could sleep in the art room. And so I had to break the art room down in order to make Braylon's room, which has now become my favorite room in the house. Like, I'm literally sitting in it right now and she'd totally have a calf. She realized I was in her room. But, like, it's so nice. It's, like, a cute little apartment. Uh, there's even a couch and, like, a plant. Um, and I just assembled her vanity, like, three days ago. She's going to come home today. So my goal is to finish up her closet. I've done my mom's room, which is, it's, like, three apart, like, a three-bedroom apartment stuffed into one giant-ass room. Like, it's a lot. And I was like, dude, how did I let my mom live like this? Like, you don't check it until you're looking at it, you know? And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, there was so much dust. And I was... First, I had to pull everything out. And uh, getting it all out, like, the house looked clean, right? And then I had to clear my mom's room out so I could do all her carpets because she's got cats and stuff, you know, so it's like a health thing. Like I have to make sure that her carpets are clean and like the air vent is set up just so it doesn't like cause a fucking fire or some type of weird shit. Like, I don't know. I don't want shit to go ablaze. And so I'm like going through my mom's room and I lifted up the AC unit and I realized that the bar that I had set so it would position the condensation to do like a slow drip out the back window um, had fallen at some point and I didn't recognize it because it was positioned in front of the laundry basket. And so I never pick the laundry basket up. I just take the laundry out of it and I go do the laundry and I you know fold it and put it on our bed. And like I was in the process of moving everything out in the hallway last night and it was like 3.30 in the morning when I moved it and I realized that there had been there's like, like there's some rot there. Like now I have to figure out how much damage, water damage has incurred and how many years that was like that. Cause time passes quickly with Alzheimer's and you don't realize things until they're out of hand. And so now I'm like, shit. So I'm airing everything out and I'm doing the carpets and the house that was pretty is now like we have to do another dump run because I pulled everything out of my mom's room and I'm like fuck dude like it's a never ending story basically I'm a Treyu and what's the uh what's the fucking flying white dog what's that guy's name shit I can't remember his name well that little white dog is my carpet cleaner <laughs> And I'm just sailing through the fucking never-ending story of clutter and debris. And that's my analogy for this morning. I'm going to go downstairs because I promised my mom like a half an hour I would. But the last two days, people have been hitting me up like crazy. And there's so many good topics that I wanted to discuss that 
I was like, fuck it, man. We're doing a podcast and I'm going to talk like a sailor the whole goddamn time. So enjoy that. But anyway, I'm in a chatty mood. So get ready. Get like, go grab something to drink, like coffee or whatever. I mean, if it's not me drinking the Pino Grigio, you go right ahead and pop that bitch open. But I can't do that. Otherwise, my life slips into like oblivion. So you guys just drink up for me and I'm going to drink this rock star and go make my mom some afternoon breakfast. (laughs) And you'll probably hear her in the background because that's usually how I do. Okay. I'll be right back. Love you. Bye. (sighs) Okay. Oh, God damn it. Hi. Good morning. I've risen from the dead. Uh, we're making a podcast. That's half that happened. That happened. Well, I was in the middle of doing like a morning, like a morning debriefing. And then I decided to bring in your color crayons downstairs. Yeah. Look at the brand new pack of color crayons. Oh, jeez. This is what happens when you have so much crap. <laughs> and I'm not saying just you. Like, I have all my shit here, too. Yeah. I just mean in general, like... Oh, a girl came to the to the door, and she's going to come back. Rebecca? Yeah. Yeah, we got a... Uh, we have a gal whose boyfriend... Oh, my God. She's homeless, and she lives down the street. And her boyfriend beat the shit out of her. He He does. Like, you can tell. Yeah. Um, and she's come to the door a few times asking for help. Yeah. And so I, I need to give her, I'm going to give her that paperwork so she knows she can get the fuck out of there if she wants to get help. But, um, I don't think she's with him. I think she's, no, I mean, she breaks away from time to time. And so that's where she comes to our door. But last time she promised to come back, she didn't come back for like a week. So. I don't know when I'll see her again, but I'll put some stuff aside and slip that paper in there so she knows she can go there. Oh, oh my God. Oh. I can't wait for a new house. Because we're going to have a ranch. I want to pick a ranch style house. Yeah. So there's no fucking stairs. No stairs. Like, no stairs. fuck the stairs. Yeah. I want high ceilings. I want one level. Yeah. And I want some place I could sit outside. And then I could create like a little cat, like a, what is that they call the, it's not a terrarium. It's like for the birds, it's like a bird netting cage, something like that. I want to do that for the cats so that they don't get picked up by like an owl. Yeah. And so they don't disappear onto like a highway, but yeah. some, something where they can come outside with us and we yeah, can drink tea and, and garden yeah, while they're, they're frolicking in the flowers, yeah, you know. Yeah, so the hawk isn't gonna come. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, there's no coyotes coming through. I'm gonna have to get. Yeah. Some type of fence thing put in, but. Yeah. That's the goals, you know. The stairs are kicking my ass, especially when you're trying to like go up and down the stairs to get things out of the house. Like, oh my god, I don't know why when I was a kid I glamorized stairs so much. I talked to Tits this morning. Tits is a uh, isn't doing good. What's going on? He's got a lump in his throat. Oh, did he go to the doctor? He's going to. He just he's, gotta go. he's been sick and he's got a lump in his throat. So yeah. he's like nervous 
you know, obviously. I told him, I said, because he knows what's going on up here a little bit. I didn't tell him everything, but I, it's Rico. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rico, for those who are trying to listen, uh, is like a really close family friend uh, who lives down in Southern California, and he was in a motorcycle accident. How did you guys meet? You guys met at a hospital, right? When you were in, was he also a nurse? No, no, he wasn't a nurse. But you met him through the accident. It's weird that you met my dad at the hospital and that you also met Rico. Yeah. Like those two native men that are prominent in your life. You met them both at a hospital. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. But he was in a motorcycle accident. And so when I was a little girl, I used to copy the way that he walked because he's got a prosthetic leg. Yeah, and I remember I was like so little, I didn't understand like... Not to do that, but I was, like, copying the way that he walked because I thought it was cool. I was like, oh, he's so cool. And, like, <laughs> and he would call me. He asked me. He was like, we got to come up with a nickname for you. And I was like, okay. And he's like, what's your favorite candy? And I was like, uh, Tootsie Rolls. And he's like, okay, so now you're Toots. And I said, okay, then you're Toots because I was like, you don't get to call me Toots yeah. without being Toots yourself, <laughs> no. sir. And so... Uh, that's how that, the nickname Toots sprung up, but he was, um, they recognized him on a news broadcast down in Ventura. They, they put him on the news for a veteran on veterans day and they're like recognizing, uh, staff sergeant Ortiz for his time in Vietnam and all that. So I thought that was kind of cool. What is this? Oh, the squirrels out. The cats uh, all like to gather at the back. There's three. We have like a little family of squirrels. My favorite thing about this is that we've got three cats eyeballing the back window of our patio, eyeballing three squirrels. And the first thing my mom says when she sees the squirrels is, oh, shit, we better get our, our uh, what was it that you said? Your wrap your rat killer or something like (laughs) you were talking about like killing the squirrels and I was like why and you were like because they're they'll run rampant we'll have a whole fucking family of squirrels and I was like we could be a squirrel cat family (laughs) and just add to the look you know (laughs) fur babies galore I know, I'm just kidding. But it could be like a whole event. Manipulate. Yeah, they definitely fuck like crazy. Oh, geez. Yeah, the relation. I could see that just swinging from the trees. Oh, my God, that would be so funny. Not funny. We have like a squirrel circus in the backyard. Oh, God. It'd be a circle. Acrobats. It'd be a circus. That's what that would be. So, like, I hear Bubba in the garage. So Bubba's got a new girlfriend named Vanessa. Mm-hmm. And I guess they they met after he and Summer had broken up. And she had a boyfriend. So he was just like hanging back in the sidelines. And then she and him got together this last weekend. And she ended up having nowhere to go. 
So he was like, well, why don't you just come up to Bellingham with me and you can stay in my trailer with me while I go to work and you can figure out, you know, go get a job and stuff. Because, you know, they were like in the midst of falling in love and shit, which happens at 18. And so um, he goes up to Bellingham and, of course, his dad flips shit, which I don't believe him. Uh, Because he had like a whole plan. He had an apprenticeship set up and... Things didn't go according to plan because Vanessa showed up and then Brad freaked out and kicked Jacob out. And then I get a call at like three in the morning from Jacob saying, oh, I'm on my way back home. And I was like, why? And he's like, my dad disowned me and kicked me out. And I was like, honestly, I kind of felt like he was looking for the very first sign of trouble to do that. Just so he could say he gave it a whirl, but he realized it'd be inconvenient to have you around and just well, like to go to work. the logical <laughs> thing to do would have been like, you know what, son, this isn't the move you need to take her home. Here's some gas money. Go take her home. You know, that would have been the logical move. Come back. You have a job to do on Monday. Right. That would have been the move. But disowning your kid at three in the morning and kicking him out with no place to go not generally the father of the year award. No. But I'm not bagging on him because I wasn't there, and I know things with Jacob can get kind of heated, especially if he's not getting what he wants at the time. Um, As we all get a little unattractive at moments like that, and so I had to have a sit-down talk with him about what it means to be in a relationship uh, and actually be and an equal partnership (laughs) and how that presents itself, okay? Because you may be head over heels, but the deal is you need, as a man or as any person who's in a partnership, anyone who's got a higher level of intelligence would recognize that getting into partnership with somebody who who is living with you out of necessity at some point has to address the elephant in the room because how is one to make free will decisions when they're considering their living circumstance when they're at the whim of this relationship working out otherwise they're not living there anymore it's It's, you have to have an instant well how are they how are they going to act authentically you know but they're not and so that is what I addressed I said bub listen Because I was trying to be really level because normally I'm a very reactive person and I've been trying to really, especially lately, I've been trying to pause and like pay attention to how I speak to people and address my tone because my anxiety shouldn't be anybody else's problem. My personal fears and my desire for control should not impact the tone that I have while I'm speaking to another person, especially if I want that conversation to go favorably. And so I was like, okay, listen, dude, here's the deal. And I said this to her too. I said, you need to recognize that as two young people who want to have a future together, because I can respect the fact that y'all have fallen in love and it's this whirlwind romance. And I know that part of this is you really missing summer too. And trans transference of emotion is a thing it's a coping strategy that a lot of people take up especially when they're young or they have an inability to process 
at the full magnitude of what some type of loss is, be it a relationship or somebody's life, a job, you know, a circumstance, a title, whatever it is, we have this desire to bypass the grieving process because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable at times. And, And it's not beneficial for us as people if we're trying to go, you know, for the full scope of, well-roundedness, right? So the goal is to stop yourself when you're in the midst of doing it and approach it from a different angle. I said, listen, what you're doing right now is you're transferring emotion. He didn't like that. I I danced over it a little bit. I I had to. But to some degree, I said, you have to recognize, like, yes, you're falling in love. Yes, she's perfect for you, this and that. And... And Jacob is so sweet. He's always been a sweet kid. Every Mother's Day, a card and flowers. Every Valentine's Day, a flower or coffee or something, a picture, a card on birthdays. Like, he's just been a really sweet. That's how he does gestures of love. Like, he likes to show his affection. His love language is gifts. And what better way than to dote on the woman you're falling in love with? This is the shit that Jacob lives for. He loves it. He lo- and he's so sweet. It's it's actually I'm actually quite proud to see that. Like as a mother, to see he how he treats the women that he's with, he really does an amazing job. Yeah. I have yet to see him be abusive. And that's always been a fear of mine because of what I was, what he grew up around with Brad. Like, I was afraid that that would be an issue, you know. That's a huge fear of mine because that was a big issue for me traumatically. Like, it was really problematic, you know. And so that took me a number of years to get over Um, because there are different levels of abuse, you know. And some of them are subtle and some of them are aggressive, and his dad took it to the max level, you know, um, a lot of times. And then I just had to live with this constant, subtle aggression and control. And it was just dominating and awful. And so I learned to be very assertive yeah. for survival purposes, you know. And that transferred into my relationships that followed. Now, when I said to Jacob, listen, you're transferring your emotions because you don't want to deal with the grief of losing your relationship with Summer and her as a person. And so Vanessa coming along is perfect for you. Uh, But you need to stay focused because what you're doing is you're getting into a partnership where it's uneven ground. And now she can't act authentically because she's concerned about where she's going to live too. I mean, she has other options as well, but if it's easier just to get along then she's just going to do that because it's human nature, you know. But if you're going to approach it fully awake to the situation, yeah. you as a man, it's your responsibility as a man and as a partner, even be it your gender shouldn't necessarily matter. It's your responsibility as a person who's getting into partnership with another person to ensure that you're doing that on equal ground. And so what do we need to do right now to ensure that her living situation is stable? Well, there's a number of resources out there that I can help set you guys up with. Yeah. My mom was a community health nurse for 33 years at Multnomah County. She knows some shit. And I've been through enough domestic violence in my life to recognize that there are resources out there to help women get back on their feet. Yeah. 
And so I was like, the tricky thing about domestic violence is that you don't necessarily recognize that you have been a part of domestic violence until years later. It's like so fucking sneaky because part of you rejects the notion. Like you think that emotional abuse or mental abuse or gaslighting or things of that sort love bombing all of that is really it's like psychological warfare yeah and it fucks with your ability to receive love as well as give it yeah and so i was like really trying to turn the light on for bubba and vanessa and i was like listen you guys you got one week to sort out her living situation here are the resources you need to figure out where she's gonna go next We cannot, as a family, accommodate an additional person on board. And I know that that was a fear of yours. I addressed that right up front. At the same time, I'm not going to pull Brad and kick them both out. Sleep in your car and figure it out. Well, what good is that? How successful do you think they're really going to be operating from a fucking vehicle? They're not. And we're not heathens, you know, like they have, there's a separate room. They could do that for seven days and then figure it out. That's fine. That's what having a family unit is for. We're not abrasive and it's not an employment opportunity. They're my children. You know, Braylon and Jacob both have equal opportunity to catch their wind and like figure out where to step next, you know. Because it's mom, you know, it's grandma. We'll figure it out. But, you know, your girlfriend is sweet and wonderful, but we just don't have the means to take care of another person, no. you know. And as much as I hate to say that, it's true. It is true. And it's okay. It's, you know, you got to work with the tools in your toolbox. Yeah. And that's what I've really tried to emphasize to both of my children and myself when I'm reflecting. I'm like, look, you have an anxiety, depressive disorder (laughs) you need to take care of yourself and your mental health before you can take care of everyone else and even then I'm still I mean I literally just did two days back to back because I want us to have a clean functional house where we can sell it and I can go back to work and everything will work out the way that we hope you know uh but I have to get all this shit cleared out and to start with my mental health we all need safe, clean, separate places to sleep. Yeah. You know, that was number one. And I, and that took me months. That's taken me months to really secure that. And I'm so proud of myself that somehow by the grace of God, I am not, I'm not a type A person (laughs) at all. I'm not a planner. And somehow I just pulled this out of my butt and I was like, okay, you guys, we're making it pretty. We're doing it. And it's been okay. Yeah. But there's there's a couple other topics that I want to talk to you guys about, but we'll discuss that later while I'm in the midst of cleaning. So I'll talk to you guys a little later. I just wanted to give you an update on Bubba. I'll be back. Well, you guys will probably experience about a 30-second lag, but for me, it'll be a few hours. So enjoy your 30 seconds. I'll be back, and we'll talk soon. Love you. Bye. Oh, hi, you guys. I'm back. It's been probably about a week. From the last time, yeah, it's been over a week, almost 10 days. And time's been going faster, I think, because of the amount of work I've put into this house and everything that's gone on with Jake and my mom. Things go faster when you're busy. And so 
I just kind of took a moment and I listened to that recent part of the episode and I was just kind of trying to get myself in the mindset of the topics I was going to discuss with you that day. And more and more things have come up since then. So I think I'm going to take this in another direction. But initially it was the topic of, you know, relationships. That's what I was going to dive into. And more and more I'm learning that it's just about what we do with the lessons that have presented themselves to us and how we walk away from a situation with more knowledge on how to approach life, right? Like how do you how do you apply what you've learned once you've learned it? Because self-reflection is one thing, but then actually doing something with what you've learned is another. So it's application. <laughs> and then also um, I wanted to talk about the process of integrating parts of yourself that you aren't exactly proud of. Like, you know, I have a, I have a tendency to be a hothead, you know, and allow my emotions to rule me and find a way to integrate that into your life in a way that allows you to continue to be functional and also not suppress it to the point where you're like blowing up at somebody for something stupid, you know, as another outlet. So I'm trying to come at this with like a little bit more of an educated approach since I've been doing a lot of research on self-reflection and self-improvement. And that is all due in part to my sobriety, right? A lot of the times when I didn't have, I would find myself overwhelmed with the amount of things I needed to process mentally and, and just emotionally and try and put myself in a new place that I would rather numb it out and run away from that. And you can only do that for so long before it starts to catch up to you. And then then you're dealing with bigger things, you know, like evictions or divorces or, you know, getting caught up in an abusive relationship. And I found that Part of it is just trying to be consciously aware of your connection with other people and the role that you play. And so I'm trying to come forward every day with this mindset because if I've learned anything the last couple of months, almost a year now since I moved in with my mom to help her, is that there are a lot of people that rely on me as a, as a person. Um, it's so important that I've, that I recognize that because of the responsibility I carry every day. And as my mom's Alzheimer's is progressing, like it's kind of like somebody grab, you know, how like this is going to sound like a really shitty analogy, but you know how you have to just look at a fucking problem um, to know that there's something wrong with it. Right. And so uh, like how a, like how a puppy will go potty on the floor and the owner will grab the dog's face and put it right up to the mess. And you got to look at that shit and know that that's not okay. Well, getting sober for me was exactly like that. Like I had to really step back and see like how messy I've made my life and how I allowed things to go unchecked and just unravel because of my addiction issues, you know, and a lot of it for me is just the desire to not have to feel those things and not have to process those emotions and that trauma. And 
it is my responsibility as a person who's responsible for other people in their life to recognize that I play a really important role and I can't be fucking things up anymore. You know, there's really no excuse for not showing up to make my mom breakfast. There's no excuse for not making, you know, Braylon's start time at school. Like these things can slip and then at some point they build up and suddenly you're just neglectful, you know, or uh, irresponsible. And so it's hard to really look at that and, and take ownership of that and be like, yeah, that's mine. I did that. And I've been trying really hard to continue to love myself through that because of the fact that I know that when I look at other people that I love who've gone through some stuff that they decided to choose substance abuse over, right? I had to love them anyway. And I, and I was capable of doing that because of how much I had like loved them or how much love I had for them. Love is a really powerful thing, right? And so if you're, if you're willing and able to give that to another person in order to forgive them and to heal them and to heal yourself, you should be willing to give that to yourself as well. And I think that's the key in this whole situation is that I was so fucked up for so long about a lot of things that I didn't take the time to just love myself and take care of myself. I fell into like a really fucking weird depression where I was like suicidal and everything was just spiraling up and down. And of course, chemically taking a, like a depressant such as alcohol, it's going to continue to throw me down. You know, like it doesn't help. It's like drinking poison and hoping to get better. It just doesn't work. So I'm looking at the situation and how messy it is and I'm observing my mom and I'm seeing how she's not getting any better. And in fact, it's, it's just progressing a lot faster than I'm ready to admit. I'm really nervous about going back to work. I have to go back to work. I've been paralyzed by fear and being overwhelmed but financially, there's really no excuse. Like, I have to continue to show up for the people in my life that need me. And right now, they need me to go back to work. So I'm prepping this house so we can try and sell it and get some money that way. In the meantime, I'm imagining what my Mother's Day will look like when I'm not there. And I'm nervous. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm anxious about Jacob. Um how he's going to do. I'm worried about a lot of things, but I have to remind myself that, that the fear that we have, somebody had said, I can't remember. I think it, it must've been like a pastor at some point. Cause I had gone to church and it's, it just sounds like some people would say this shit at church, but they say that fear is false evidence appearing real. And Part of having faith in your life and how things are going to go is also setting things up so that you can't fail as hard as you think you might, but also just, just understanding that if you show up every day and you put the work forward, at some point, things will fall into part, like into place. So like through consistency, that's like another big thing of mine. Like I love consistency. I don't care if you're an asshole. If you're an asshole every fucking day of your life, at least I'll know what to expect next Tuesday. You know, like I don't mind. But part of the whole healing process is that you're, 
you're going to be changing and growing and, and I'm not as consistent as I used to be, even though I was hell bent and dead set on drinking for the rest of my life, I would always just run back to my old patterns and I'm trying to break free of that because I want to, you know, I want to have a better existence and, and make a better impact on this life than I have. So it's just, it's hard navigating the waters of growth and internal work and I have no desire to drink. I have no desire to drink because God got me out of a really fucked up situation that I made a prayer. I said, you know, I was scared that I was going to die. I thought I was going to lose everything because that night was so scary. That night that I was with Sam and I realized how fucked up my life had become and how much I had fallen, you know. And I remember I had just said a prayer to God that if he could get me out of that situation, I would be the best person I could be and I would never touch a drop of alcohol again. And I feel like a, a promise like that made to your creator is not something you want to break. Just just stepping aside and thinking, oh, God, I don't want to piss off creator. Like, I want to be honest and true to myself because I want to approach myself with love since up until this point in time, I haven't really done that. You know, I accepted things that that weren't acceptable in order to keep going into my addiction um, so that my life would fucking work. You know, like I needed to be the same person every day so that way I could keep using my alcohol to run away from all the feelings I was too afraid to feel. And that's super fucking weird. Like, that's not the move. It's, it's not productive. It's not gonna, it's not gonna work out. And so I'm watching my kid, who, by the way, did just celebrate three months sober, three months in a week, I think it was, which is great. I'm so proud of him. Um, I'm watching him kind of use another form of running from his feelings. And it's difficult for me not to say anything, but there are times and places for that. You know, like we don't all have to stand on our soapbox and say our shit, especially to people who didn't ask for it. You know, unwarranted advice is never welcome. And unless I see him seeking guidance from me, I'm not going to put that out there. I did initially because of my, my concern with him and Vanessa, but at this point it is what it is. Like I can't, I cannot, be accountable for how his life works out. If he wants to couch surf to be with this girl, then fine. You know, he knows he has a home with us. He knows that we love him and we support him and hope that he makes wise choices, but I'm not going to fund somebody else's life who just managed to derail my kid's path. You know, like, it's not necessary, not necessarily that she intended to derail his life, but that, that was the end result. You know, we can all, I think they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I, and I fully and firmly agree with that. You know, we don't mean to fuck up our own lives, but it happens. And a lot of times when we invite people in our life that aren't operating with a full deck of cards and they got their own shit, like everybody here is just trying to heal and make shit fucking work you know we're doing the best that we can as people and when we see that somebody else is struggling we want to help them right but at the same time I'm not going to sink my ship to save you when you know how to swim 
you know, that doesn't make any sense. So at some point you have to just have faith that it, that there will come a time for him where he'll stop and think to himself, you know, this is really stressful. This is really difficult. And I don't have to do this because I have a family that loves me and I have my own room at my mom's house and I need to go home so that I can get my degree and so that I can get a job and do more with my music career. Like, I don't know exactly what his plan is, but as far as I can see, it's not, um, it's not going to take him very far right now. He's only, I think he's uh, a day, a day ahead of the devil is the phrase that my mom used, I think. Anyway, I'm, I'm just not getting home. I took the girls to, uh, what was it? Scott's Mills out in Malala to go swimming today. Uh, Layla and Braylon hadn't seen each other in a couple weeks. And so I promised I would take them swimming. And that was the closest available option, believe it or not. So I, I am back home. I need to go back inside and we'll talk more. I have a camping trip set up this week. So I'll probably finish this up when I'm driving. All right. Love you. We'll talk soon. Bye. Yeah, what up? It's your girl, Killa. I'm back. I don't even know what, um, where we left off on the last. I've been randomly recording shit. I'm going through a thing. I don't know. Um, (laughs) anyway, I wanted to capture this moment because I came in and told my mom about a story Uh that my great grandmother was telling me in a dream about generational wounding. Oh. And I just woke up. And I was like running to my mom. <laughs> I was like, whoa, we got to talk shop. Get the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Let's get right to the juice because it's starting to fade. Mm-hmm. I just woke up from this crazy dream with my great grandmother. Who's telling me about generational wounding. It's real. First of all, I didn't know who this woman was. I had no idea who she was, but then I figured out who she was uh-huh. as we were talking. Because of what she showed. Mm-hmm. I'm walking down this hallway at like a recreational pool area, which I want to say was Montevilla, mm-hmm. which is where Jacob learned to swim, where I taught Braylon to swim, where my mom was taking the kids. So it's like a very family oriented tied to the community type of place. Right. And I get there and I see this cute little baby mm-hmm. with his mom. Or no, it was a little girl, sorry. Uh-huh. She was with her mom uh-huh. and she was washing her hands. Um... So she was like maybe an infant and her mom. So she was in her stroller. Mom was washing her hands just mm-hmm. to clarify. Cause I'm still tired. I'm trying to okay. recollect this for you. So I'm watching this mom wash her hands and I see that, you know, she's trying to hold a stroller while washing her hands. So I said, Oh, here, let me help you. Mm-hmm. So I lean over and I kind of tilt this little section where the baby part is so she can get her hand easily clean and you know and she goes oh thank you and she looks at me and I'm looking at her and I'm like that bitch is familiar Mm -hmm. but I've never seen her physical body before Mm -hmm. 
I'm like, who is that? I know her. And instead, I was like, whatever. I don't know who this bitch is. It doesn't look like anybody I know. <coughs> but I just felt like I knew her. Mm-hmm. And then this older woman is watching me. I don't, she's looking at me, recognized her. And so she smiles. And the girl walks off totally oblivious. And as she's walking around the corner, the woman goes, you knew her, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, how did you know that? And she goes, because I know who you are, but I don't know who you are. And I was like, what? And she goes, okay, I'll tell you something. And then she goes, this whole fucked up situation is that we keep coming back. She goes, we keep coming back. And she's like, the reason why we keep coming back is because we're trying to correct something. Yeah. We're trying to correct something for the people that we love. We're trying to correct something for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. That's pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to, like, fix it right now by telling me this? And she goes, yeah. She goes, because guess what? I go, what? She goes, that baby is your great-granddaughter. And she goes, your great-granddaughter is going to... And she goes, and that little girl was your daughter. And she goes, because the way that this works is that your generational wounding will come back and you'll end up becoming a different role in the parenting part. Mm -hmm. And you'll have to watch your great granddaughter go through what you went through as a kid and your daughter do it to her. Mm -hmm. And she's like, it's so fucking weird how you can sit there and watch these same women go through these cycles of, of generational wounding and trauma and not understand parenting techniques and having to learn them on each other and then mm-hmm. like you're not intentionally wounding each other you're just repeating a circle because right, you don't, you don't understand that we're on a fucking carousel ride and yeah. this is all a game and yeah. she's like it's so fucking weird and I was like oh and so then I sat up for my dream because I wanted to hug her and she was gone but we were in this pool room and she was telling me the tea and I was like oh my grandma my great-grandmother came to tell me that we're on a never-ending cycle of bullshit. <laughs> Get the cookies! <laughs> Get the, Get the, the cookies! Get the cookies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Get the cookies. But it was weird because, like, I don't think that Grandma ever struggled with alcoholism, did she? No, but she dealt with a husband who was. See, I don't know if it's mom. it's it's not confined to just genders then. Because I feel like Grandpa and I really under... So it's like you're taking, like... Yeah. A whole... So, well, I guess it makes sense. You're taking a whole generation... Yes. ...of problems, right. and you're switching it to the youngest that's being raised by those who are harmed by it. Right. And so then they're having to recognize, like, oh, great, this is a never-ending circle. Because mm-hmm. you never wanted to touch alcohol because of what you went through. Yeah. Like, you... That wasn't your vice. And you had different layers of protection that had to be pierced through in order to get to the other side. For other people, they had to really figure out how to get through your armor. Yeah. But I never had that problem because you did such a good job of protecting me. Yeah. And therefore, I allowed the wrong people into my life. But it's not like you meant that. But at the same time, (laughs) isn't it ironic? Yeah. Don't you think? (laughs) Like, I I was like, oh my God. Obviously, I but then I was asking very well. well, and I was asking about the Alzheimer's thing because yeah. I remember that came up, and I don't know how it was almost like we were having like a telepathic 
communication moment. Because yeah. I asked her about, it was like words were being said. So the, fir- the verbal part was said. Mm-hmm. But then as I was talking to her, she was conveying messages to me that I was inquiring about. Like things I was wondering. She would, she would shoot me a quick answer that I just understood. Uh-huh. So I, I inquired about, and I know that sounds like bullshit, but that's no, seriously no, what happened. It was so fucking odd. The whole thing was weird. And I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? I feel like I'm having like a really spiritual dream and I need to share this right away. Yeah. And so I was sitting there and I was like, what about the Alzheimer's though? You know, like, cause grandma had the Alzheimer's and then I was supposed to get it. Like it was supposed to be mine. And she said that you took that when we all for whatever reason we all agreed on what we the work that we would do and you didn't want me to have to go through that i didn't want you to go through that and so you took that you said i'll i'll do it give that one to me and that is the most insane thing to think about and so I was just like, dude, of course it'd be like my biggest fear that something would happen to you and that I would have to watch it. Like, to have to but did you know anything. that? Did you know that something happening to you was my biggest fear that I would happily slip into oblivion for like no problem as long as it didn't happen to you and that I've been just living with this petrified anxiety of like shit, like something's going to happen, you know? And so I was like, God, that's some powerful shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, obviously, it's there to let us know what you're, you're saying to me right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just couldn't believe it. That was a really fucking crazy ass dream. And I was like, well, dude. it's not like I have a husband and two kids to raise during a barely... You're just saving Weird, wild, crazy time, which is even more amped up than it wasn't when I was a teenager and when Maybe, I was in I my don't 20s know. and 30s. I mean, there was a lot of weird shit, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, what my mother went through was absolute shit, you know? Yeah. And I didn't want you to have that, you know? Yeah. So I was, you know, doing my thing. But, and that's probably why, in a lot of ways, I Everything. chose not to fall in love yeah. and, and, and have a husband to deal with who's demanding a lot of stuff because I got to raise these kids yeah. coming in that, you know, are going to be healthy and they're not going to be healthy if they, if they, you know, aren't able to get through the shit they had to go through. Yeah, I was just really, that was just a really fucking weird dream. And I was like, like, but it all made sense. Like, all of it made perfect sense. And the way that she was talking about it, because she was just like, oh, you think that's crazy? Let me tell you what's crazy. And then she was like, here's the tea. And then she, she broke down, like, all this complicated stuff. And I was like, it was like, while she was explaining it to me, it was that thought uh, where she was like conveying thought to me as she was saying things. So I, I was seeing like grandma and grandpa fighting and I was seeing you being scared. And then I was watching Braylon be scared of me and Brent fighting. And I was like, it was like almost like these flash scenes of conveyed imagery. 
And trying to explain that, like, when you just woke up from a fucking little coma, and you're like, oh my god, I must tell everybody. And then, like, I was like, the first thing I grabbed, of course, was my makeup bag. And then I, like, really... I have to look good while I tell people stuff. (laughs) And I have to get that from fucking grandma because that bitch couldn't go anywhere without looking fly and it makes me laugh. Uh And I was like, oh my god. I know. Get the cookies. Oh yeah. Nana's gonna want the cookies. It's okay. I don't need cookies. And they're all like they're like stale. I don't get it. Why do they don't stay very good for very long? They don't because the minute air gets into these yeah that's they get all yeah. so you have to put them like a ziploc yeah oh that's fucked up dude wait, i think we have another box this is the other i ate the other <laughs> box <laughs> you little sticker you went in there and saw it and said, i love, oh, my, love God, my cookies as soon as i, I realized the second box <laughs> as soon as i realized that i lost 20 pounds i was like oh no i'm cold i can still do things like that <laughs> My friend Whitney, my friend Whitney is like this amazing. Like, oh, remember, she's the one that I told you about the um, gender reveal. Mm -hmm. And so they're having, I think it's a little boy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, she's come such a long way. Oh, yeah. I'm so proud of her. This is so cool. And I explained to you that she had been in recovery, and that first year she was in recovery. The last fucking thing she was worried about was what she looked like, even though her whole life that's what she fixated on, and she always looked really good. And so she was like, it wasn't like her first knee-jerk reaction to, like, go on a diet and get hot. It wasn't. She wanted to implement her own sobriety and make sure that that shit stuck like super glue and iron and weld it into her soul, you know, because she didn't want to go back to addiction. She did not want to go back. No. And you know what? She had this little girl. Yeah. And she had to get her shit straight. And so instead of falling into this weird habit where she would just get hot and then she'd meet the wrong guy and then she'd end up back on drugs, you know? Yeah. She did something different, and she ended up getting herself healthy mentally, so it wasn't like she dropped all the weight, or she wasn't, like, a stick anymore, because usually when they're using drugs, it's, like, stick. Oh, yeah. So, instead, she got it all back that she had initially lost, so she she fluffed up right away, which is one of the knee-jerk reactions for women when they're using, if they get fat, the first thing they want to do is start using again so they can get thin again. Because yeah, nothing tastes better than skinny or yeah. nothing hurts less than being fat. You know, well, or hurts yeah, worse than being so fat. In our, culture, yeah. in our society, the way that they fuck women up, oh yeah, I totally agree with that. And I was like, okay. And I was watching her and I was like, she's come such a long way because she's pregnant now with this little boy and she's still working out. And she's so amazingly beautiful. And I remember thinking, like, earlier this year, like, in the past, whenever I would quit drinking, my biggest incentive was that I would get thin, you know? Yeah. Because that was always, like, as soon as you're not thin, the first thing people do is, like, fuck with you and tell you that it's not okay that you're not thin. Exactly. There has to be something wrong with you. You're no longer a desirable individual. And so I was like, okay, well... I have to be thin. Right. 
And the one thing that's been reiterated to me, as soon as I gained weight, my husband left me. As soon as I got depressed, I wasn't the person he wanted forever, you know. Hello. But and that was... what does he have now? Oh, stop. Okay, this is not what that's about. I know. That's not what you you interrupted what I was going to say and Listen. made it into something completely different. Okay, all right. <clears throat> when that happened, I internalized that as confirmation, right? And as time progressed, I realized I was looking at my own actions and it had so much less to do with what I looked like, but that's what I perceived because I was in a really toxic mindset um or low vibrational And so I perceived, oh, it's because I got fat and it's because I got depressed that he left me for somebody younger and thinner who made him feel better, right? Um, And so, there you go. Mm -hmm. Sorry, she's taking on a brain. Um, And so anyway, (coughs) as I continued getting sober... And, like, looking at my past actions and understanding and perception of people, I was like, oh, it's because I was so negative that I perceive myself as this victim because of everything that happened in our relationship that I constantly made him feel like the bad guy all the time. And you can only be made to feel like the fucking villain and then the scapegoat and then, like, just abused basically emotionally, mentally, and spiritually before you just walk the fuck away, you know? Yeah. It doesn't matter if people understand or not. You have to live this life. So why the fuck are you going to be around that person who makes you so miserable? Yeah. And then now they're going to influence how your child grows up. Like, I don't blame him for anything. I don't. Not anymore. I did initially. And I think that realization and recognizing that I was the toxic person. Now, it's weird because I still have beef with my little sister, though. I don't, I don't know, I don't necessarily blame Kayla, Mm -hmm. but I got issues with the fact that in my mind at that time, Mm -hmm. that she was talking to the other person. Now, if you remove everything that you know about anything, right? Let's just say you're walking into the situation blind. Yeah. As a person. Right. How can you go and talk to the woman that your little sister says broke up? her family and make that conscious choice to converse with that person on a one-to-one level and befriend them and then employ them. I don't care if this person's the fucking Pope. I don't care if this person is Gandhi. Where is your loyalty to your baby sister or your big sister? As I always tell her, I always feel like she's my big sister, but she's my little sister. So where's that loyalty? And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna allow myself to feel perplexed by that. Yeah. You know? I'm gonna allow myself to continue ignoring and the urge to to heal and correct mm-hmm. and and uh salvage that relationship because there is a huge part of me that wants to do that. Yeah. Because I've forgiven whatever happened with Kayla, I've forgiven Brent. I have priority of trying to make that a healthy connection now. Yeah. But I will absolutely refuse to reach out to my little sister because it's not my fucking problem. 
like that to me like it was so fucked up it was such a sight like a like a what is it not a spite oh it's something done out of spite Mm -hmm. she did it out of spite in order to hurt me and it was that action I don't know if necessarily because she's just so her perception of me is so fucked up anyway that I just won't do it I'm like yo I'm not your fucking mom like I know that you got some issues with your fucking generational wounding shit and that you're never gonna let me in but I was never your mom and yeah. I feel like she's like punishing me like I was her fucking mom because Cause she led me off a fucking cliff with that apartment thing I told her before dude I can't afford three bedrooms right. and, she, said and she guaranteed me that she would take care of the third bedroom expense because she thought that Braylon needed her own room I should have established healthy boundaries for a reason right there. Yeah. I I should have insisted on the two-bedroom, but no, I went with the three because it was a dream to have somebody help me. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, how did that get me? How far did that get me? Because then now she can turn around and put me as a scapegoat and say, oh, well, she bounced out on this and that. Bitch, I got like 12 grand forgiven for you. From the rent that didn't get paid because you fucking dipped out on town. And then because I didn't do good job cleanup and I didn't, like, take everything out to the dump, they sent her a bill. And supposedly it was, like, this obscene amount, but I'd like to see the paperwork. I really would. Yeah, she's Because she's done an excellent job conveying to the rest of the world that I've somehow cost her 20 grand, you know? And I'm like, come on, man. Like, I'm not doing it. And so... Yeah. I have a lot of reservations about that in addition to the things that she that she did behind she my pulled. back. Yeah. yeah, like it was just very devious. Yeah, it was like really it very wasn't up front. It was really and it led me to believe like you know what I'm not dealing with somebody who ever had my best interest at heart. Yeah. I can see through that right now and I'm not fucking with that right now. I don't know what that wounding is. I don't want to know what that wounding is and we'll deal with that shit in the next life because I got enough going on right now. (laughs) (laughs) And so anyway, that's where it's at for me. Like I was, I was doing all this self-reflective work. I've been working on the house. I got the fucking hallway done. Thank God. Now all I have to do is the laundry. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Ugh. It's slowly coming together. I put some stuff in the dryer already. I'm low-key terrified of having to go back to work and what that's going to look like. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm hoping that I, I can keep myself together and not get weird and freak you out and do something Well, that's stupid. why I got the cameras. I got Jake. We got, if I have to ask people in our group of people to come check on you, I can do that too for a little while. The goal ideally would be that I'd only work for like 11 months. And then we'd be on our way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then we'd have the savings that we need to get the, well, the like, whatever. Stole, It'll sold be sold. I'll have all the savings. Our basic stuff will be covered. Hopefully by then I'll have bought my own car and we can get everything organized. Right. Well, you have your own car, don't you? Mm-hmm. That's right, but it's not really. It got repoed. Oh, it got repoed. So anyway. Okay. <coughs> we're, um, we're still in the process of getting everything ready to go to the dump this weekend yeah and then i'm gonna sit down with our finances and i'm gonna figure out the job situation am i having to what what i have to do for child support is next on the docket brad's come after me and taken me to court for back child support in the amount of three grand and they're trying to get me they took my license your driving license so I have to pay that in order to get back to work. But what I'm going to do, 
is, is talk to child support, ask them what the minimum payment is, what I have to do to get my license back so I can go to work. Yeah. Because that's not even fair. My, my job, my primary way of making money, you're going to take that away from me. So how am I supposed to pay that? Yeah. I haven't been working because I've been taking care of my mom. Yeah. And I've been trying to get our house ready to sell. I'm also trying to get my head wrapped around all this bullshit of being sober, getting away from an abusive relationship, realizing that I am actually the problem, then figuring out how to resolve the problem and make it healthy and happy for everyone around me. It's been a lot of really... And then on top of of that, I got Jake, we got Vanessa, we got the fucking baby, little beam beam, and now we've got Lupe. Lupe's now... He let me pet him today. Lupe. The little hamster. Oh, oh my god, he's so cute. He let me put him. I was like, Lupe! I don't even know who he, he is. is so I'm thinking funny. to myself, where the fuck did that go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lupe is <laughs> the hamster. We got the enclosure made. And David still owes me the, the top to it. Like, he just fucking drifted off to La La Land. I was like, David, get me the top, motherfucker. I was like, come on, man. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I got it. Like, whatever, dude. And he's on his little soul mission, too. Oh, that's good. Well, I, I think in the long run, you know, it comes out as it needs to come out. Yeah, I just have, I let go of the, the the narrative, I think. And because I open up my mind to recognizing that things can be a lot more, mm-hmm. I think at some point I might do that for Grace, but right now, it no. doesn't feel like it. It no. doesn't feel like that, and I think that there's still some healing in time that needs to take place in between there, and I'm yeah. not... I'm definitely not going to be the one to fucking spearhead that because I've done it in the past and it only encouraged her to continue this victim mentality that she set me up to fucking put her in. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's probably what she had. I'm really, no, yeah. And you know, it's possible. I have to consider that too. And I have to see where project, but you know, I just, I don't know. It's hard. It's too complicated for me to even care about right now. Well, it really, yeah. I have so much so other much shit. I got bigger on. fish to fry. Yeah. And the biggest, the most important thing to me is just ensuring that, like, Brent and Kayla and Braylon can go to Disneyland and we can have conversations about Disneyland and make Braylon happy and have her know that nobody hates anyone and that it's okay. You know, yeah. like, I don't want her to be at her high school graduation and be worried about whether or not she can invite me to her graduation party. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like, her wedding. Or her wedding. Like, yeah. how is it going to be her entire life if we can't be in the same room? Like, that's so stupid. Hey, you guys, I'm back. I'm sorry it cut out. Braylon called me, which I think was a good thing because she was catching me on a tangent. And I wanted to recenter the focus of where my rant was going is that it's stupid of me to hold on to contempt and resentment towards somebody who I absolutely admire and love even though we've had shit go down in the past like Brent's an amazing dad and he's a good person and I and I didn't spend 14 years with him because he was a shitty human being like so it's important that I wake up to my own personal bullshit and acknowledge like it's stupid of me to continue that energy I wish that my little sister had come to me and said something to the effect of you're being ignorant right now. You're being stupid. You're being harmful. And instead went around and, you know, tried to handle it in her own way. It would have been the more direct approach with me is always the best way. Um, because there's just, I don't, 
passive doesn't work for me. It has to be direct. I'm always in my own fucking head and I am kind of self-absorbed, you know, so it's not a bad thing to come to me and say, hey, pull your head out of your ass. You're being a dickhead. Like I need people in my life that can do that. And if they can't, then I have to be aware of them and their own personal stuff. You know, like that's part of the beauty of being in relationships with other people and having connection and and figuring out how to interact with them. And so anyway, I was thinking my mother for giving me the perspective of understanding that, yeah, you know, you were kind of being a jackass, like, but that could have, you know, and she was mentioning like, you know, maybe Grace only knows how to be passive because that's what she was taught, you know, maybe she's learned the more peaceful approach and the easiest for her to cope with is to be passive and that's fine. But in that process, like, I don't even know if somebody did come to me and say, Hey, you're being a jackass. If I would have listened at the time, Mm -hmm. because I was so like intoxicated with this random fucking narrative that I believed to be true. And the, the reality is the gray is where it is. Nothing is black and white. And there's a lot of different components in a single storyline. And so I, I decided this year to just move past that and to do my best to try and make amends for that time and then hope that things will work out in the long run because I'm making better choices. So we'll see, but I'm going to, we're going to, well, yeah, I'm getting back to the house tonight. So it's been a series of me staying up all night and then falling asleep all day and then waking up at night. And I think I'm just prepping myself mentally for night shift work. (laughs) Honestly. Anyway, I love you and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.